The episode you are about to hear was pre-recorded before the pandemic hit, but you can rest assured that the content remains useful and relevant. Please stick with us to the end of the interview because we've added bonus content on how to stay on track and continue applying lean principles and practices during COVID-19. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Constructor Cast, your AGC place for all the news, views, and interviews relevant to your construction business. I am your host, Leah Pilconis. The benefits of a lean construction methodology are gaining traction, but as more and more lean projects are finishing ahead of schedule and under budget, we are starting to see a cultural shift emerge from the field. Many companies are becoming more focused on getting early buy-in from the boots on the ground field personnel, rather than sticking with the historic top-down approach, where project lean performance goals are set by top management. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Joe Donnarumo of Lindbeck, Henry Nutt of Southland Industries, and Keon Zandi of Skiles Group who are all leading the charge to a holistic approach to lean. I'm excited to have them share their stories so we can find out how to increase lean engagement on construction job sites and why they think it's important. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Happy to be here. Great. Thank you all for being here. I'd like to begin by asking you each to share a little bit about yourselves, what you do with your respective companies. And I'd like you to try in just a sentence or two to capture what is lean construction. So Henry, let's start with you. Yeah, so I'm Henry Nutt and I work for Southland Industries. I am by trade a sheet metal worker for the last 32 years. Um, I've, uh, and now I'm in business development as of October, 2019. So I've spent much of my time uh, training and developing our team and getting them ready for projects where they don't have to start from scratch when it comes to lean implementation. And for me, lean is about improvement, uh, never being satisfied with the way the things are going on the job, uh, giving your, empowering your team to innovate, uh, helping them to understand that they have the power to, to challenge things and to look for better ways to do things that they've done maybe for their whole career one way and giving them an opportunity to, to, to look at it doing a different way a better way. Great. Thank you, Henry. You're welcome. Joe, how about you? Sure. Um, so my name is Joe Donnarumo. I am a senior superintendent and director of lean application for Limbeck Group based in Houston, Texas, offices in Fort Worth and San Antonio. So my primary function for Limbeck um, is being a senior field leader. So I've had the privilege of uh, working for one client for all of my career at Limbeck. That's Cook Children's Medical Center in Fort Worth. And I've been able to create and lead teams there in the field that's been delivering uh, a vast array of master plan um, and capital project type of work. Um, we've executed three IFOA agreements to date uh, and are working on our, our next two IFOA agreements. So in conjunction with leading the field for that specific healthcare client, uh, my role as director of lean application is to make sure that our lean standards and processes are relevant that they're up to date, and I'm helping to bridge the gap on the learning and understanding and retention around those throughout our organization at an enterprise level as well. So to me, what is lean? Um, I kind of answer that in, 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 in two answers. The first is having the courage to fix what bugs me and eliminate the waste that comes across, whether that's in my personal life 
whether that's with my job teams, whether that's in the field. And it's not just, you know, we always often focus on, you know, the process waste. And we focus on we got to change the process. But oftentimes, so much waste is just in the behaviors, in the communication of those around us and how we engage each other at that personal level. And the second thing is creating value. Is what I'm doing creating value for the stakeholder, whether the stakeholder is my company, my spouse, uh, the owner that we're working for? Um, how are the processes and tools that I'm using creating value? And to me, those are that, that's what sums up lean for me. Thank you. Great answer. Kian, your turn. Sure. So my name is Kian Zandi. I'm COO of Skiles Group. We are a 48-year-old general contracting firm based in Dallas, Texas. We do a lot of healthcare construction and are licensed in 13 states. And what Lean is about for me is it's about respect for people. It's about continuous improvement. It's about adding value and reducing waste. And when you start on a lean journey, which the beautiful thing about it is that it's never complete. You're always striving uh, to be better. You're always looking to continuously improve. But when you start on your journey, um, you just have to put things through the filter. Is this going to add value or not? Mm -hmm. Is this waste or not? And when you can start thinking of everything around you in that light, it really is empowering to start making a change for the better on your job site or just in general. Thank you. Great start to our conversation. Joe and Keon, you are here with all of us in Vegas right now mm -hmm. at AGC's national convention. And you just presented a session this morning, a blueprint for Builders Lean. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to include your PowerPoint presentation in, in the show notes for this podcast so everyone can see what you talked about. But you shared that historically a firm's adoption of lean concepts is generally initiated at the top of the org chart from the executive leadership and you get their, their buy-in. And then these concepts are filtering down into the field where the frontline practitioners, those are the folks that are actually doing the tangible work on the mm -hmm. construction job mm -hmm. site. I know you both believe that it's important for this paradigm to be altered or supplemented, and I'd like you to talk about why. And Kian, can you start that conversation for me? Yeah, sure. So our presentation uh, was kind of a cliff notes of our book called The Lean Builder. But the reason we were empowered to write the book was just because of what you said. You know, here we are in Bellagio Hotel. It's very nice. There's a lot of executives here. But the tools and principles that are typically talked about in this setting in regards to field lean, those field leaders aren't here. And so here we are, we're talking about how to implement lean on your job site, mm -hmm. but the person that matters the most, the guy that, or gal that actually has to do it, they don't, they're not in this setting. And so because of that kind of mentality, we, we really felt that we would need to provide a resource for a field leader either on the trade partner side or on the general contractor side that could easily understand what lean's about and how they could implement it on their job to get more value out of their work. Because where me and Joe come from, you know, we feel like our business is broken. We don't feel, feel like it's fair that our field leaders are working 70, 80 hours a week. Our business right now is leading um, the country in suicide rates. Divorce rates in our business is higher than most businesses. And if we don't do something to change that, this business will not be an appealing business for the next generation of builder. 
And so that's why we're so passionate about it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll build off of that. Uh, Keon answered that really well. And I think the only thing I want to add relative to the firm's adaptation uh, to lean tools um, is oftentimes, you know, it has that hierarchical approach of top down um, and just to me, it's a two-step process. You have to have the engagement and the buy-in from those leaders within the firm, but you also have to have this movement or groundswell from the actual last planners or the field leaders who's going to be responsible for leading those jobs, and that has to bridge and come together. And that was one of the, the main drivers for the book, to Keon uh, noted, was just creating something that's practical, that's useful, even if... Um, they don't necessarily have a champion in their corner that teach them these lean tools and methodologies that they have a resource that they can go to and empower so that as a firm at an enterprise level, we can bridge that gap and holistically impact the overall culture of the organization. Henry, yeah. what would you like to add? Yeah, so I remember probably when I started my leaning journey about 15 years ago, roughly, I sat in a room with project managers, engineers, architects, everyone on the front end of a project, except the builders. Mm -hmm. And as I sat there engaged in conversation, there were questions being asked and answered by people who weren't going to be in the pro on the project. And so as, as Keon's saying, I, I remember sitting in that room and thinking to myself, there's a missing person here. <laughs> and I was the only person that was representing the field from that aspect. And, and so I continued uh, going, attending these meetings. And, and begin to inter interject and, and add my feedback and, and realize that I need to be here as well as others. And, and so I begin to attend these meetings and, and, and have a, become a voice for that missing person. And, and so when I uh, read the book and, and was very excited about hearing about this type of book that resonates with the field, I immediately fell in love with just the content and, and how it resonates to the builder's mindset. And so it's very important to have a dialogue and, and, and have that type of conversation happening so people feel connected to it and understand that how important their roles are in regards to implementing and adopting lean. And so uh, the, the idea of having a voice and, and having a message that resonates with the field that truly resonates is, is really important, especially in this time and place and, and, and being able to uh, pull from, from that group and, and, and not necessarily um, pour into them, but really pull from them the things that they can offer to this, to this group. So you are really suggesting kind of a shift in mindset here and just true collaboration across all facets of the company. Absolutely. Uh, that's probably the biggest part for me with Ling is, is the collaborative part. We can talk about what we want to do. We can theorize about what we want to do. We can even read about. But it, it comes down to teams working together and crossing bridges and building bridges and, and connecting and, and understanding who should be deferred, who should go first, um, who's, who's gonna win, you know, and realizing that it really takes the team to, to come together and, and, and connect in a way that may feel uncomfortable in the beginning because you're used to doing it one way. Collaboration, it's like my, my, my boss used to say to us, is one can't do it alone and, and it, you need to have uh, more than one is better than, than, than zero, essentially, mm -hmm. you know, and just paraphrasing. It, it's never okay to go alone in this kind of business. It's, it takes a team. Mm -hmm. And so we built teams, we built buildings as a collective, and, and we are a team, and we have to operate that way. And many times we don't. We just are in the same room. 
Yeah, what, what, what Henry's talking about sounds like common sense. Like, how would you not know that? But our business, we don't do that. Traditionally in our business, there's 15 trades working for a general contractor, and they're not incentivized to be a team. Instead of that general contractor superintendent acting as a coach and building up the guys in the field that the collective good of them working as a team will benefit everybody, that's not the case on most projects. On most projects, it's a race for time and who gets there first. Mm-hmm. You've got you know, the sprinkler guy block, throwing his mains up, blocking the ductwork guy. Like There's no incentive for them to think about anybody but them, themselves or their firm, and that's the responsibility of the general contractor. And so what we're trying to put out there is that, hey, there's a better way to build, and it really starts with building the culture on a job site and building that accountability on a job site so that the overall process is better. And it starts with teamwork. Yeah. Well said. Let's talk about what this would look like or what this does look like in practice if it's actually happening. Henry, I've, I've read several of the articles you've written on lead construction, and we're going to link to a few of those in, in the podcast show notes. You've said familiarity with lean is widespread, but implementation is low. So I'd like you to tell me a little bit more and and tell our listeners a little bit more about what lean looks like in practice. What makes operating a site under lean principles in the way that we're all talking about? What what makes it look different? If you've walked on a project, uh, you've been in the business long enough, you can walk on a project and immediately sense if it's going in the right direction or not. You can, you can immediately sense and see if the job is making money as a, as, a, as a project. You can see if people are engaged, if the culture is about promoting uh, good welfare and team-oriented mindsets on the project. Just, just by walking and seeing if it's debris laying around or safe practices are happening. Um, just if, if there are people seemingly, seemingly engaged with each other and caring. So when I walked on a project that was definitely executing uh, lean practices, there was one, it was clean. Just, mm. It was super clean, not because someone was ready to showcase how clean it was, it was just what they did. It was part of the culture of the project, implemented through the, the practices of the general contractor, typically in the owner, and, and, and passing down to the teams. And so you see a, 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 a trade partner that is able to get their job done in a fashion that they, in the way they planned it. You walk up to a project and you can see if there's a, a, a duct group of the guys hanging pipe or, 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 or duct or electrical or whatever they're doing, they have a scope that they're able to handle and execute. And typically they're, they're roughing their, their work in, in an environment where they have free reign to execute at optimal uh, performance, meaning that there's, no, there's nothing in their way, there's no obstacles, other trades have moved on, and they're allowed mm-hmm. to perform their work in the, in the most productive manner. And so you, you get an opportunity to see, you help teams win, and, and, and they understand they're being set up to win. So when there is conflict, which there's always gonna be, there's a way to handle it, and it's not a mm-hmm. contentious way. And, and so I've walked on projects where I, the, the, the leadership in the field knew the names of all the people that were working for them, down to the pre-apprentices, by name. And they would call them out and talk with them about things. And there's a team of people working and having lunch together and laughing genuinely and, and caring about each other. And so there's just, it's a culture that is definitely different than what you see in a traditional setting, where again, it would be just the, it would, it would, it would be contrary to what I said. You would have. Uh, probably a dirty project. You would have people in silos 
you wouldn't have this collaborative environment where you can see people actually working together and, and assisting each other to help them win. And, and so it, when you're on that type of project, the people that I've seen experience it can't wait to find another one that way mm -hmm. because most of us haven't experienced it enough. You know, everybody, of course, has their part to play in the project, but it sounds like what you're describing is uh, the, the group collectively as a whole has their sights focused on kind of a, a common outcome. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, as, as, as Ken and, and Joe have alluded to in their book, it, it really comes down to general contractor. And, and, and not that, that everyone is not a participant in this, but the person that kind of holds the keys on the project are the general contractors. Yeah. They set the tone, and we all end up having to answer to that general contractor. And so the owner obviously helps to, to allow for that environment to happen. Um, but in some cases they don't, but does it mean that the general contractor still can't implement something? And so we at Southland Industries, we will implement and execute lean on every project regardless, but we are limited on how much we can actually be successful in that implementation based on how much and how willing the general contractor is willing to actually execute fully that type of mindset on the project because you can talk it, and then what, if, it's, if it's not a genuine ask and a, or a genuine execution, the moment that something goes awry, awry you will go back to what you know. Mm -hmm. And you will come, you, and the whole team is waiting for that to happen. We'll, 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 as long as we're playing fine and everybody's happy, we're going to do everything great. The moment we hit an issue, we snap back mm -hmm. to what we know, our bad behaviors, our bad practices, our silos, and then we begin to operate in that fashion again where we're, we're not right, collaborating. Right, comfortable. Yeah. So Joe, tell me about your experience with this kind of seeing it in practice. Mm -hmm. Sure. To me, like what this would look like on Keon and I's job of getting out of that state of just that siloed adversarial type of relationship where everyone's coming on and getting theirs and getting out because that's the way the industry's been. Um, you know, we talk about in the book and outline um, you got to start small and you got to start with just some small tools that start to change and impact the culture. Let me kind of show you or explain what that might look like on a job site. For example, maybe in your current state in your company, you might have a weekly subcontractor meeting. This meeting might be an hour to an hour and a half and the superintendent might come in, put down a schedule and about 20 minutes in, the eyes are glazing over, phones are coming out and the subcontractors are just waiting for their time to talk so they can you know, grind an ax at the subcontractor across the table because his ductwork was in the way and he couldn't get his wall rough done last week. Um, maybe switching from that to having a huddle with the team every day, coming together and talking about what's, what's the plan for today? Where's everyone working? What constraints are in your way? And start you know, switching the mindset of just that um, uh, superintendent kind of driving down of, hey, this is where the project's going. This is what you need to go get done this week. Start bringing that team together and talking about as a team, where's our roadblocks? Where's our constraints? And what's going to happen is there'll be a magical switch that, that starts to transform, and now you're going to have the, uh, instead of the tin bender, whose name is Jason, and the Sparky, whose name is you know Zach, they're going to start calling each other instead of by their trade name or, or what their function is. It's, hey, Jason, hey, Zach. People are going to start having mutual respect for one another. The accountability is going to start getting better, and you're going to start building that project culture. To maybe take this a, a step further, what this might be able to look like is our industry now with lean, at the end of the day, it's just how do we communicate more effectively? How do we leverage communication when we're in an industry that we've never really had the value communication all that much? 
Um, you know, traditionally, 30 years ago, maybe drawings might have been a little bit better. We had more skilled labor. We had more resources. We had more time. Trade partners would show up to the job more prepared than they do today. So we're having to manage all that. And, and now communication is at an all-time premium when in the past we haven't had to value that. So we use things like making all of our communication visual. All of our floor plans are on the board. They're all on under laminate. Trades have their own colors. And when they're in that huddle, they're talking about the work plan. They're using those tools to be able to explain to that job where they're working on, what's their constraints, and what's happening for the day. So that's just a small example of what that could look like. I bet Keon might have a couple more. Yeah, well, these guys are just nailing it. I mean, kind of going back to what Henry said, I can ask any one of our trade partners, um, do they know if a job is going to go well or not? And what they'll tell me is they know if, they know if they're going to make money on a job from the kickoff meeting. They can walk into a kickoff meeting, and if that general uh, contractor, superintendent, and team is very transparent, they're talking about the schedule, they're talking about why everybody's there, what, what it is that they're building, they're sharing information about the client's journey and, and the why behind the project. If uh, they're trying to align everybody with the goals around the project, that project's going to go well. If they come in there and it seems disorganized and the superintendent is talking about schedule in a, in a mind frame of that we got to go faster and we got to cut the fat out and you can tell there's not a value on people, they're going to lose money on that job. And, and the bad thing is, is for most trades, if they make money or not, is solely dependent on the general contractor and how that superintendent runs the job. And so what Henry's describing where there's flow of work in the projects where, you know, if the project's segmented out by phase and you get all your framing done, and once that framing's done in area A, that crew moves to area B, and now the in-wall rough-in starts, those kind of things, it's, it's one of those things where you can walk a job and know if there's flow in the job. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've started doing is I've started asking our trade partners at the end of the job, did they hit the number of man hours that they had built into the job or did they beat it or did they go over and, and exceed it? And I promise you, if I had that information from all our trades, I would know which one of our superintendents is the best at having flow in their job because a trade partner should be able to come in, do their work and leave. And if they have less man hours than what they had estimated, they're making money and nine times out of 10, they're gonna wanna work on our projects with our superintendents and they're gonna be more competitive to go get those projects. So all this stuff plays into the bottom line, the sufficiency, you know, at Skiles Group, we implement uh, last planner system and these daily huddles as uh, Joe's described on all of our projects. And I can tell you numerous cases of projects we've brought in uh, early and given money back um, or saved the client a lot of money based on this collaborative approach. I'd like to ask each of you to offer our listeners one or two things that they could take away from this podcast to start their journey if they want to go down this path. And can you share that information kind of with an eye to a smaller organization who may not have the resources to spend uh, doing lean training for every worker on the job site? So, Henry, I'd like to start with you, and then we'll go around the table, Joe, and then Kian. Absolutely. Uh, So... It's really not so much about how much money you're able you know, to, to pull together to hire a consultant to come in and teach you about how to be lean. It, it really comes down to your people. It comes down to your people and how much you care about them 
being able to do their jobs better, smarter, safer, faster, all those things. So I start first with talk to your people. They're the people that run your company. You put, you put the risk in their hands every day. We tell our people that you are the ones that run multi-million dollar businesses. Each project is its own business in a sense that can fail or succeed. And it has to do, not to do with the engineer necessarily, but the people that are on the job every day that go out and execute. Now, they may be in a project that is doomed to fail, and they understand that. And they may execute that in a different fashion, but they go into it with an awareness and an understanding. And so it's really about talking to your people. Ask them, as Joe mentioned earlier, fix what bugs you. How do you fix what bugs you? You ask. You find out what's bugging someone first. So you, you create awareness. You, cre you create an awareness that, that understands, am I going in the right direction? For decades, people would work on jobs and not know if they made money or not. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the mystery. The ultimate mystery is, how do we do? How do we do? And, and you never really understand. You don't know how fast you're going, how slow you're going. You don't know what your report card looks like. You just go out there and do your job every day, hoping you're doing your mm -hmm. best, with no idea of how you're really doing. And no one wants to share that information because they felt, well, if I know that, then I'm going to game it. And I'm going to, you know, I so said, if you, if you have people that you can't share that type of information with, then you have the wrong people or you have the wrong type of company that you're working for. And so first and foremost, I would say, talk to your people, then listen to their answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then go out and Part try to execute. Yes. Listen, <laughs> sure. To me, it starts small and focus on the culture. Mm -hmm. Start to identify what are those tools, what are those small things that we can scale across the entire organization that's easy. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Like changing how maybe we run uh, our daily meetings on the job site or how do we make all of our communication in the field visual or how do we, mm -hmm. how do we manage our constraints better on a job site. Start with the tools that are easy to take baby steps, but also it's those tools that are gonna to start to change the culture on the project. It's those tools that's gonna to start uh, helping to develop greater respect for each other, greater accountability, better communication and collaboration. And I say that because if you're not starting there and you're just kind of diving off to the end and maybe you're jumping in the last planner system, but you don't have the culture to, to sustain that type of tool, to Henry's point earlier, the first road bump you hit or the first stumbling block, you're going to revert back to those tendencies and behaviors that you have because you haven't taken the time to start slow, to build that culture, and to start to instill those behaviors in those field leaders that you need. Now, Keon and I see it all the time where a general contracting firm will go hire a consultant. They'll jump right in. They'll teach them about last planner system. They'll do a couple of pool plans. Everything's going great. And then a month later, they're on the job site and, you know, it, it's dynamic. Things are changing. They had some weather impacts. They had some material not show up when it was supposed to. And now they don't know how to react. So what do they do? They revert back to what they know and it becomes uh, siloed, adversarial. I'm going to go get mine. I'm going to go get all that sprinkler pipe runner. I'm going to go get all that ductwork done. And you just broke down the culture that you tried so hard to establish. So to me, it starts small and focus on those little wins that's going to build a culture. Yeah, you know, my message <clears throat> will be kind of geared towards the field leaders, superintendents, trade partner, foremen, especially for the guys that have been in this business a long time. You're not doing anything wrong. This game is changing around you. You know, the speed that the design documents have to come out at is causing a lot of issues that the design partners have been commoditized. They, they have to, you know, fight 
labor shortages of their own from the last recession. And so if you're a superintendent or a trade partner, you're feeling like on your job, documents aren't what they used to be. You know, you may be right. If you feel like skilled labor doesn't exist, if you hadn't met a master mason on your project in 20 years, that's a reality we're living in. You know, they've taken vocation out of schools, K through 12. Um, it's not sexy to go be a craft worker. I gave a presentation to my kids' school there in elementary. The number one job everybody wanted to be was a YouTuber. And, <laughs> and the thing is, is that they got options now. I mean, there's a lot. You can, do, you can have a podcast if you want. I mean, there's a lot more options. And so if you're that superintendent or foreman and you're 35 years in and you're wondering where the skilled labor's at or you're wondering where labor is in general or you know you're having communication issues because your executive somebody in their 30s and you may be somebody in your 60s, you, you got to recognize that everything around us is starting to change in our business. And you shouldn't have to work 70 or 80 hours a week. You shouldn't have to be away from your family that long. We have to find a way to work smarter with what we have and lean and these practices and these tools and this culture we're building is gonna make us more efficient in a market where we have to do more with less. And um, you know, Joe and I have a website called theleanbuilder.com. There's a blog section and we're trying to share stories from the field because that voice is always underrepresented. You know, Henry wrote a great piece for us about a team and building a collaborative team. We've had uh, different superintendents and electrical foremen talk about their journey with Lean because we're trying to scale this in a way with that common uh, craft worker, foreman, last planner, superintendent, and something that they can relate to so that they can get more value out of their day. Well, thank you all so much for your leadership in this area. I mean, your efforts are amazing. The materials that you've developed are just outstanding. There's so much that you've done from the you know, presentation that you gave here at convention, the articles you've written, this new book. We're going to have a lot uh, of information in the show notes, as I mentioned, because there's just so much more that we could say about this. Uh, I think that we'll be able to provide people, though, with uh, additional resources so they can continue to learn more and, and find out more about how they can go about implementing this on, on their projects um, at their companies. I wanted to share something else, too, uh, that's a resource that, that AGC of America has available. Um, I know that you've all been involved in this as well. Uh, our Lean Construction Forum Steering Committee has developed the Lean for Trades Toolbox Talk Series, and it's a tool to introduce lean construction concepts to the job site. These are 10-minute conversational huddles that can help your team identify ways to improve processes, eliminate waste, and adopt a culture of lean in the shop and the field. Each toolbox talk session, and they're released monthly, reviews a concept that you can use to create discussion, teach and grow your team's understanding of lean, and determine how you can work more productively and collaboratively. The way they're set up on our website, you can review the slide deck um, in, an, in your office or on a job site. You can use the lessons to explain a concept, discuss the concept, and use uh, the printable handout to pass out to your team as a tool to help implement change. So all this is on our website at agc.org slash lean forum. I don't have any parting words besides just wanting to thank AGC for 
you know, working to kind of spread the lean gospel, so to speak, and taking on initiatives like the Lean Toolbox talk series and um, promoting the CM Lean certification, just being able to promote just the opportunity and blessing it was for Keon to come to convention this year and to share our book and to share our journey and to hear the story that we have to say. So we're just thankful to be able to partner with the AGC and be on this journey alongside you guys. Yeah, I second what these guys say. Um, if you're interested in lean, AGC CM lean courses are really good. You'll yes, get a really good you. understanding. Um, encourage you guys to check that out. And then AGC uh, has been a great partner to the Lean Construction Institute. And the LCI has communities of practice um, across the U.S. And I've seen multiple instances where AGC and LCI have supported each other to help get this initiative out. So again, thanks to AGC uh, for the opportunity today. AGC.org slash learn for the Lean Construction Education Program. So thank you both for mentioning that. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much. Henry, welcome back to ConstructorCast. Thank you, it's great to be back. Today is May 25th, and it's been about three months since we sat down together in Vegas to record the episode that folks just listened to. And the country has been dealing with the coronavirus during this entire time with really no clear end in sight. I'm imagining that it really may be tempting for contractors to abandon lean on their projects during this unusual time. And Henry, I'm wondering, like, has it been possible for you and your company to continue the practice of lean in the field during this pandemic? So that's such a great question, man. I mean, we, who would have thought life would have changed so much in a few months? And and initially, yes, I think people probably would think, yeah, let's let's we need to just capitalize on what we know, and and that's always easy to go back to what's easy. However. To the contrary of that, I feel like lean is more than ever necessary and people are utilizing lean tools without them even knowing many times that they're using lean tools. Um, you're seeing things where areas have more space and, and, and less manpower uh, on the sites and they're recognizing how important those types of things are to create better flow. And so simple things like visual aids and creating strike teams or to keep, keep tools and equipment clean and people safe, those are things that you would do in lean. And, and, and so it's some prefab and modularization and how to direct traffic and using tech time or just in time delivery types of things. Those are all important things that are really matter uh, more than ever now. And, and so we're seeing it and, and it's good to see and it's a way for us to reiterate the importance of lean now. And so there's also things we can look at on our on our link and our links for the for this podcast as well to get further information. It's really encouraging to hear that that you've been successful in consistently maintaining lean practices during these really challenging times. And thank you for the resources that you've provided. And as you indicated, there are links in the show notes to additional materials on how um, you can continue these practices uh, throughout the pandemic. And I also want to let folks know that for a much deeper dive, look and understanding of how COVID-19 is impacting lean on construction job sites and how you can uh, continue on with these practices in the field. Uh, AGC is going to host a webinar that will be held on June 17th from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. So I know, Henry, you're going to be featured on that webinar as well. And I hope that you can join us. Um, the listeners can join us for that too. 
So thank you very much. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thank you all for listening. This has been the AGC Constructor Cast. Please subscribe to Constructor Cast from your podcast app or stream all available episodes right from your computer at www.agc.org/constructorcast.